Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back again. This is Devon Kirtan, Senior Journalist from XR Today. As always, bringing you the latest and greatest from the VR, AR, and XR industries. Today, we're going to be speaking to teams from BizLogic. So we have on Fabio Bicari. He is the Head of Business Development for BizLogic. And we also have on Pascal Kumpfer. He is the CEO of BizLogic as well. So thanks so much, guys, for coming on today. It's a pleasure to interview you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Right. Well, brilliant, brilliant. Let's have a chat. Now, we can talk a little bit about BizLogic. Uh, in maybe about 10 seconds each, how would you describe BizLogic and what does it do specifically with its uh, Meadow platform? You start, Fabio. I start. <laughs> so, I mean, we are in the XR space for quite some time. And in the past three years, we've been starting to focus on creating this Metaverse as a service platform for let's say B2B and enterprise clients to make an easy accessible framework for them to access the metaverse. Love Excellent. That. Now yeah. top that. No. Yeah, no. I, yeah, difficult, difficult, because that was exactly what I wanted to say. No, <laughs> we basically provide a platform that helped a lot of companies through COVID and reconnect and still connect with their clients. And kind of we brought them the benefit of the metaverse and um, they still cling to it, even though the bad times are supposedly over. Excellent, yeah. So I guess we'll be letting the good times roll with um, all the new platforms out because I see that despite COVID-19, people are still going to um, a lot of these different kinds of metaverse platforms for various reasons. What reasons have you seen in recent uh, years like following the COVID-19 pandemic, like now that everything's supposedly back to normal? Uh, Fabio, have you seen any kind of trends in your specific experience? Yeah, I mean, obviously in the beginning and around 2020, the main use case for, for the platform was events, but it has quite shifted towards more, let's say, permanent use of the platform where we basically deploy the platform, specifically in the enterprise sector, um, based on the concept that the client has, we build them you could say their own metaverse campus where we define the use cases that they want to solve with it or the problems that they want to solve with it. We deploy it in their infrastructure and then they uh, start using it for all kinds of things, to be honest. Um, I think future of work is always becoming more important with use cases like uh, onboarding, uh, onboarding experiences, um, workshops, knowledge transfer events, those kind of uh, this kind of sector. Then I think e-commerce or v-commerce, as we call it internally, is, I think, a big bubble that's going to emerge more and more in the future, where you're going to have these immersive uh, product experiences deployed, presumably on a website. Uh, at least that's how we would do it. And um, the third part is education, I think, educational. Uh, the, the, the potential for educational formats and events on the platform is incredible. Absolutely. Pascal, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, obviously I have a, I have the operational business lens um, on most of the time. And what I found most interesting that HR becomes a real big topic, kind of presenting your company, um, onboarding people, training people, um, the classic thing, but also kind of like mitigate the pain point. A lot of companies, especially international big ones, have that they 
with the remote workers and the office workers, there's a little struggle that they don't have a common social space um, that they barely talk with each other, that loyalty to the company and the brand is limited. Um, when you have an employee who started remote, stays remote and um, barely ever sees a team except this is a team's call. And we all know how um, exhausting team's call with a camera on can be. Um, but our solution kind of provides us kind of a solution for that, I said, that people kind of have a social space where they can meet, where they can exchange, um, have fun together, or um, really, really immerse themselves in the world and really connect on a completely different level that is not necessarily physical, but um, it is um, also not as remote as Teams calls or not talking to people at all. Definitely, definitely. And that's that, you know, concept of having a shared experience that allows people to kind of have closer connections with people, even though they're far away. And even, you know, meeting certain sustainable development goals, no longer having to fly long distances to, you know, meet up with people for important um, gatherings. These are some of the things that people look towards with these metaverse experiences. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, you know, so you talked about some of these use cases that would dominate the platform. Now, um, are there any other kinds of problems that you wanted to solve specifically for your clients? Because I see there's a huge list of them. Uh, Fabio, how, could you uh, touch on that for a bit? <laughs> I, I can try. Um, I think there are, <laughs> I mean, obviously a lot of problems that we are targeting. Maybe it makes sense to, um, to think of this from from an internal lens and how we try to utilize our platform ourselves to solve our own problems. Um, obviously, one of the biggest issues emerging during COVID was um, while we were also because we experienced a big growth during that time frame, but also before was the, this whole hiring process and HR process that Pascal was also already mentioning. So for us, we use the tool a lot for being social together and actually acting as a team as if all of us would be in here together in person. And I think um, this kind of transmitting this this new way of having um, of having a, a team unity um, is something that we didn't expect as much uh, off the platform as we experienced it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people use those. Um, I think that a lot of companies use these because they can gather everywhere, everyone in the same space and work on different activities that they wouldn't have if they had to procure physical ob objects. So real-time 3D objects are going to be a very strong vertical for these. Uh, Pascal, what else can you tell us about that? Um, what are some of those pain points that you mentioned earlier? Um, yeah, first of all, um, it is quite interesting. We built the metaverses that a lot of the companies are still anchored in the real life. Um, so they, they kind of try to find solutions, solutions and pain points that they have in real life and try to solve them, um, with real life solutions, just digitalized. Um, for example, initially when we did the product presentations, which was one of our main things on trade shows and trade fairs, so basically the virtual extension, it was, we had architects that build physical spaces for these trade shows coming into our solution and building those um telling us how to build them and they totally ignored the capabilities of the technology um but the good thing is that we have a high customer retention so we have clients that go from project to project to project and it's lovely to kind of see 
how their perception and the possibilities kind of like they evolve, they improve, and they, they, they kind of let go of the basically the anchor they had at the beginning and open up more to the possibilities and go for more crazy spaces, go for more um, or less realistic kind of approaches and kind of really emphasize on what's possible and find new solutions. So what we are currently in a phase is that um, with a lot of our clients that they accepted the platform and th saw the benefit already. So now they are really freed up to, okay, what pain points do we have? Let's say we have, we have no limitations. How would we solve them and then see if we can adapt them to the platform and it's a benefit. But this discussion is way more interesting and way more fun to have to kind of find a solution for something these companies have the problems and pain points they have and find it creatively together with them and ignore all the limitations they usually kind of bound by. I think if you want to summarize that and not only limit it to what are the problems that we're solving, but what's the general uh, outcome that, that, that comes from these solving problems, I think, and Pascal already mentioned it, I think it's engagement time. And I think that is the metric that we see the most potential in and the most development in when talking to our clients, because this is both true for internal experiences. So we have incredible engagement times for internal events. For example, we had an, uh, a yearly event with one of our biggest clients um, from the consumer goods uh, side, and they had like their town hall meeting with 1,400 people in there. I think they had an average engagement time on the platform of 90, 95 minutes, which if you think of this as this is just deployed on a website. So actually, this is a website. It's incredible how this compares to what we are used to from an engagement perspective. And if you then take this, and this obviously was an internal event, so everyone was forced to be in there and so on. If you transport this to a more public thing, like an e-commerce uh, showroom, let's say a product showroom, these still are way higher than what you would expect in a, on, a, on a classic e-commerce shop. So we're talking about 25 to 30 minutes average engagement per user on an e-commerce website. And I think this just gives us a lot of new ways to, um, my, I mean, first for, from our perspective, educate clients and what kind of new stories and engagement types they can tell to their audience, but also from a client perspective to, I mean, utilize a platform like ours or the technology in general to really try to engage people in these new kind of immersive experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, Pascal, how about you? Uh, anything else that you'd like to add to that? I think we covered most of it, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's so many directions that we can take this in because I noticed that you know in 2022 there was a lot of kind of a lull in um, investment and research and development and rollouts for um, metaverse technologies. But as 2023 comes around, we have new products coming out. We have the MetaQuest 3, we have the Apple Vision Pro and things like that. Um, so these are going to significantly boost adoption rates depending on how people receive them. Um, just a quick kind of fire round for you guys. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about these two products since uh, Meta is going to have their Connect event, I think in a week or so. And um, Apple's going to release theirs by the start of next year. So what are your thoughts? on the Apple versus Meta debate. 
And do you see them actually helping out your platform, actually helping people to adopt your platform? Uh, Pascal, we'll start off with you. All right. <laughs> um, so it is what I learned so far with um, these devices is I have to have one in my hand and have to try it before I can make any statement about them because on paper they sound amazing. Both of them are amazing, even though that meta, a lot of people kind of say that kind of was a quick shot because they were afraid that they lose traction uh, after the announcement. But on paper, both of them sound amazing and they have the capability. Um, we had it in the past that um, the huge mainstream breakthrough didn't happen. Um, it, it became more and more accepted. So that was lovely. It evolved. But um, if someone can break it through, it's Apple. The price point might be slightly off, but um, apart from that, at some point there will be, if a company can manage to kind of like get broad adoption, it's Apple. Um, so we are looking, we obviously, the, independent of what the quality is, I think the times right now from the marketing and from the perception of the people kind of being interested in the technology um, might have a shift now that kind of changes the landscape a little bit. So based on that, I'm, I'm super interested in these devices. And now I basically can't, just can't wait to kind of have them in my hand and try them out and, and see kind of like applications on it. And actually the, the applications are more the interesting thing than the technology most of the time, but, um, it is, I'm looking forward. I'm excited. Excellent. Fabio, how about your take? Um, I mean, roughly the same as Pascal sees it. I mean, if you, if you want to, um, talk about the implications for our platform, maybe in the short term, they're not so big because right now we don't offer our platform for VR devices because at some point we took the decision. We want to go high end graphics and high end real time graphics. And that's why we went for a cloud computing. And nevertheless, from our talks to these headset manufacturers, make it be meta didn't talk to Apple yet, but HTC, Pico all, all around. I think they're all developing towards trying to get the form factors of these goggles as small as possible in the future. And therefore their next iteration, next step for these headset developments is going to necessarily be to have some cloud alternatives to be able to remote stream 3D real-time graphics onto these devices. Um, so for me, I'm... Um, I find it super interesting that Apple went the complete different route and, but obviously, I mean, they're producing their, their own computing units, their own processors, their own graphics units, and maybe want to try to push them and sell them through, through a product like that. So I'm really curious how, how this whole ride is going to, to end or what the next, uh, next steps are going to be because i mean we've been in this industry since 2013 and every year has basically been the, mainstream moment for VR. <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, definitely. It's been a wild, wild ride, but I know that it's been a very exciting one um, as people begin to develop their solutions. And it's, it's very, very much experimental in some ways, but it's also creating a lot of success. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, about some of the technologies that you've incorporated into your technology stack. Now you mentioned a little bit about the high-end graphics, maybe also um, you used Unity or, I mean, you used Unreal Engine 5 to um, create your experience. And um, are there any other plans to incorporate more into that stack? Um, yeah, 
So we have a pretty crowded development roadmap and things that we want to have on the platform. Um, right now, I think we've made some significant changes to the whole framework with um, uh, already changing from Unreal 4 to Unreal 5 as the baseline technology. Obviously, um, with a platform of our size, we can't just uh, do that right away when when Unreal announces their new update and then jump straight onto it. So we we took some time. We took half a year to explore the technology, really try to incorporate all the things that we wanted. Um, and uh, another big update that we just did with our meta launch was the integration of a um, of a new voice system that we're also going to announce publicly in the next few weeks. Um, I mean, I, I already told you, so this is a partnership with a pretty well-known uh, third-party voice actor uh, known as TeamSpeak, um, pretty known from the early 2000s, from the gaming scene. They then moved into into different, uh, into new areas. Um, and we found out that that's a pretty great collaboration partner because they have a super robust VoIP system basically that we could completely integrate into a platform and we're even co-developing the solution with them. Excellent, excellent. Now, here's the final kicker for us. Um, Pascal, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we move on to the to the lightning round? <laughs> um, not so much that is of interest for most people, but um, generally for me, obviously, it is super interesting what el what we do behind the scenes because we are a B2B platform. So our main clients are business customers that provide it to their clients then. So um, compared to a B2C company, we obviously in the background have a lot of requirements that B2C clients don't have when it comes to security, when it comes to um, identity handling, um, authentication, um, voice, for example. So seeing in the background, that might be a little bit boring to kind of talk about, but it's... Uh, Obviously, from a business side and from the internal, from the team, kind of looking at the technology, how it evolves and how it adapts to this, um, let's say, difficult field of um, having a B2B platform, um, especially with so many different factors in it, from, from user management to authentication, security. But having a visual platform that basically displays stuff on top of that, super interesting, super complex, um, and very exciting to work with. Lightning round. Yeah, 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 and, and onward to the final round. <laughs> so yeah, we we talk a little bit about um, some of the trends. I think we spoke a little bit about that, Fabio, in the interview previously. But uh, we have also introduced our XR Trends series. So carrying on that spirit and tradition, what we'd like to do is talk a little bit to you guys about some of the trends that we see taking place across you know the metaverse and beyond. So um, I guess for each of you, 30 seconds, uh, what kind of trends do you think that we should expect to see over the next five to 10 years and what they, um, you know, what they will add to the development of the metaverse? So Fabio, let's kick it off with you. Yes, I can take away the points from Pascal. Uh, <laughs> no, so I believe that obviously all the topics around artificial intelligence will play a crucial role in the future. Um, I think it will be, uh, <laughs> sorry, Pascal. Uh, I think uh, it will be, um, I mean, a, a gradual process and implementing them onto the platform. But um, we believe there's potentials on different ends of the spectrum. This can be world creation. So, I mean, something that we want to go towards with our product development is in the end of the day, in a few years, have a platform where you go in, you type in, 
I, I want a desert and an office building in the desert and uh, animals walking around. You press enter and the AI creates the environment for you as the end user. Um, I think this is this whole environment generation um, process is, is super interesting in that regard. And the other one is um, similar to how large language models kind of are revolutionizing how a pon potential internal um, information is being handled. Um, I think something similar could happen to something like AI avatars on a platform. I mean, us coming from the enterprise sector, you could imagine uh, you have like your corporate campus and you have like your corporate mascot or your corporate AI avatar standing in there, people can go towards them, ask questions, get the answer because the avatar is fed by the whole wiki, maybe as a resource or even more, and can handle these questions by itself. Excellent. And last but not least, Pascal. Yeah, thanks for taking them away, Fabio. But um, so <laughs> I'm more. What I'm more about five to ten years is a crazy amount of time in that industry, by the way. But um, what I'm currently most interested about or intrigued by is the fact that the metaverse is not connected to meta anymore, or it kind of loses the connection, which kind of was always limiting us in a way that we had to explain that it's not that, that it's so much more, um, that it's 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 way more than the, the vision they kind of put forward. And it certainly looks better and you don't look awkward in a presentation video for a multi-million dollar company. Um, so apart from that, we are, we are looking forward that the, Companies accepting it, users accepting it. And, um, like I said before, um, they, they open up, um, so much about the possibilities of it and it becomes natural. So, um, we don't have to deal with, okay, the physical limitations, translating them to the digital. We can talk with people that are actually, um, understand it without ever having tried it, um, or having tried it at some point, but never actually have led a project with it. So the possibilities we have now to design worlds, design environments, design experiences, um, gives us so many more options and um, kind of allows us to be way more creative, way more efficient and have a way higher impact on the individual that kind of uses it and the companies that kind of provide it. Um, and on top of that, the, that we, we kind of move away from the devices as, uh, as the thing, if I have a VR headset, I have to use these solutions. If I um, want to have it as a business environment and distribute it to most people, I have to use this one. Um, that it becomes device agnostic and at some point it doesn't matter what you have. Um, you can, you can join it. You can enjoy it. And, um, the experience might be different to some degree, but generally everyone is on this, uh, on an even playing field, really giving the, the, the vision and idea of the metaverse, um, that it is accessible and inclusive for everyone. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward. I think that should be roughly 30 seconds. Brilliant. Brilliant commentary from both of you. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. So once again, this has been uh, Fabio Bicari. He is the head of business development for BizLogic and also Pascal Kumfer. He is the CEO of BizLogic. My name again is Damon Curitan, Senior Journalist from XR Today. And if you'd like to continue following conversations like this, please follow us at the XR News hashtag on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks so much for both of you for joining us. And until next go around, see you then. Bye.